Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. My name is Pastor Matt McClory. I'm so glad you could take the time to listen to this message. Pastor Chris asked me to preach uh, James chapter 2 and the second half of the chapter. So, uh, but I don't know if he's done this, but if he has, I'm going to do this anyway. Let me give you a little bit of an introduction to the book of James. First of all, James is one of the earliest, if not the earliest book that was written in the New Testament. And so shortly after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the church gathered, of course, and then shortly after that, this book was written. It was written by a man named, anybody want to guess? James. James. Let me ask you another question. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? Grant. Oh, we got a long way to go tonight, okay? Just thought, I'm going to see if you're paying attention. So James wrote the book of James. Does anybody know who James was? He was the half-brother of Jesus, Exactly. And did you know that James didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God until after Jesus was raised from the dead? So, can you just imagine, uh, James is the little brother of Jesus. You know, they're growing up and Jesus is doing all these wonderful things. He's never talking back to his mom and dad. He's always taking out the garbage when he's supposed to. He's doing all the right things and James is in that light. He's in the shadow, actually, of all of that. And then Jesus says, hey, yo, I'm the Son of God. What do you think James thinks? You know? Yeah, right? There's something wrong with you upstairs. And then James sees Jesus go through this death. And he knows that that's not normal. No human being would ever do that. Not only that, no human being would ever sit there or lay there rather on the cross and say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Changed his life. So much so that... He believed in him, became a Christian. And then James became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And then he wrote this book, the book of James. Some people call it a hard-hitting book. It's just black and white. It's right in your face. Uh, There's times if you read through the book, it calls you foolish. I'm like, that's not me. My wife only calls me foolish, right? Not James. James doesn't know me that well. But we're going to be talking today about faith and about fruit and about root and about what you want in your life and what God wants to do in your life as well. If you're ready to receive it, say amen. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, as we read your word and as your word goes forth, we know, we know that you said it will accomplish what you send it forth to do. So I speak directly to every spirit, every heart, every mind here within this room that the words of God will fall on good soil and produce 30, 60, and 100-fold in everyone's life. Lord, peel back the curtain and show us Jesus in this. May we see nobody but Jesus tonight. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, root then fruit. You know, most people... They, they see this Christian thing and say, you know, I want to be like that or I want to get that. I want to have that type of fruit or that kind of blessing or that kind of money or that kind of health or that kind of success or whatever it might be. But I got to tell you one thing first is that before you can have fruit, you have to have a root. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, like if you plant a tomato seed, follow me along now, what will you get? Because you're amazing. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? Grant. Yes. See, so if you plant... I don't know if bananas have a seed. Does a, does a banana have a seed? Doesn't matter. If you plant grape seeds, what are you going to get? Grapes. Grapes, right? So if you plant good things in your life, don't miss this now, you're going to reap what? Good things. 
If you want the fruit that you see in other people's lives, you've got to find out what that root is. And so here's the thing. Roots define us, right? And, and if you see the root of an apple tree, it's not going to produce bananas. It's not going to produce cherries. It's not going to produce anything else but apples, right? So when you have a good root within your life, that root is going to dig deep. It's going to go down deep. It's going to define who you are. When the storms of life come, that root will hold on to everything underneath there and the fruit will remain even though that stuff happens. But you need the root before you can have the fruit. Here's another thing about fruit. You can't hang out with fruity people and catch what they have. Does that make sense? It doesn't, so I'll have to explain it. No, what, what I'm saying is this. Fruit is not contagious. You have to grow your own. You're responsible for that. And this is where we're going to go today. And I want us to see what it says right there in Isaiah 55. And this is actually God speaking through the prophet Isaiah some 800 years before Jesus Christ. And he comes out and he says this. Come, all you. Circle that word all. That means you. There's, there's nobody that's exempt from this invitation. It, it, it goes out to everyone. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Now, this is an introduction to the gospel, basically, what's happening here. And, and I just want you to understand something. Doesn't it seem kind of funny where God says, I want you to buy something, but I don't want you to spend any money. I want you to buy something, even if you don't have any money. Doesn't that sound kind of strange? But what God is talking about here is that he does not deal with the same type of uh, currency that we deal with, yeah. right? So when the offering is being received in church on a Sunday, guess what? That money doesn't go to God. You know that, right? I mean, there's not like some big box and we mail it off and God gets it and God hoards all that money. It doesn't do that because God doesn't need your money. We see that in the Gospels. If God needed money, he just told Peter, listen, go down to the uh, sea, catch a fish, pull the gold coin out and to pay, pay the bill for me. Which is that? That's what he said. So if God wants, to make, uh, wants money, he'll just make it. He doesn't need to do that. But what's he talking about here? What is it that you use in order to get stuff from God? Say, get stuff from God. Get stuff from God. Listen, that may sound carnal, it may sound secular, but there's not a single person in this room that doesn't want something from God. I promise you, even if it's love, even if it's acceptance, even if it's mercy, uh, whatever it might be, we want and we need stuff from God because like that fruit that's hanging off of the tree, it needs nourishment from the root. And you guys and I need to get something from the root of our lives. And that's God Almighty, our creator, who's breathed life right into us. So God doesn't deal with money. He doesn't deal with debit cards. He doesn't deal with Venmo. God doesn't deal with that. God wants you to buy something with a currency that you and I can't muster up, that you and I can't fabricate. And your next fill-in says this, faith is the currency of heaven. So if you want something from God, if you need something from God, if you are praying for something, it's not your goodness, it's not your church attendance, it's not your Bible reading, it's not uh, how many hours you spend in prayer, how many Bible verses you memorize, how good you are to other people. It's not that that impresses God. You know what impresses God? Faith. Say faith. faith. We're going to see it. Look at the very next verse. Without faith, it's what? Shout it out. Impossible. It's what? Impossible. Wait a minute. Okay. Do you think God really meant the word impossible there? Yeah. 
Come on, let's, do you think so? And if God is God, and he, and he inspired men to write these words, and he wanted them to use this word impossible, guess what? It means impossible, right? <laughs> so without faith, it is impossible to do what? So I was raised uh, a Roman Catholic, and I was taught that in order to please God, I had to be good, I had to obey the Ten Commandments, I had to go to catechism, I had to receive Holy Communion, I had to kiss the bishop's ring, totally true, all that stuff is right. And all of that stuff to please God, yet in all of the stuff I was doing, I never felt accepted. I never felt like I could do enough. <laughs> do you ever know that when you read three or four chapters a day of the Bible, and you do that for a couple of weeks, and you think that you're doing that and it's pleasing God, do you know what you're going to have to do next you're going to have to start reading five chapters a day. If you pray two hours a day and you're like, man, God must be really super impressed with me, it's going to have to be three hours in a couple of weeks. When you have a measurement on something like that, it's always going to have to go higher and higher and higher. But God just says, I accept you the way that you are and your faith says, I'll receive that God. And then you are righteous with God. Not how often you go to church, which is important, amen? amen? Not how much you read your Bible, which is important. Amen. You guys are good. It's, so, it's such a joy to be here. All of that is so true, but without faith, here's the verse, it's impossible to please God because anyone, say anyone. anyone. Look at a person next to that, means you. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's two important things there. One, you come to God, believe that he is. He's real. He's alive. He's the creator. He's the one true God. The one who spoke the worlds into existence. Number two, that God rewards, God gives to people who earnestly seek him. God's a giver. We saw that on the cross of Calvary. God gives. So you might be thinking here tonight, well, I prayed for stuff and I haven't gotten it. What's wrong with me? Well, sometimes we may not be grounded. You know, we, we might want the fruit, but the root hasn't gone deep enough. We, we, we want the blessings, we want the good things, but sometimes the root is not going down to where the waters flow, where we can get the nourishment that we need. And we're going to learn about that tonight. Your next verse says, Hebrews 11:1. 1, Faith assures us of, circle the word things, Faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of, what's that next word? Things we cannot see. You know, Amazon does a really good job. I point, I click, I order something, and then I get an email that says, this is what you just ordered from Amazon. We've all done that. God's not Amazon, okay? We, we know that. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to make a joke of it, but I want to try to use this as a, a comparison that when we ask something from God based upon his word, our faith, now fill this in, assures us of the things that we expect and it convinces us of the existence of the things we cannot see. So I, I want you to understand this, that God has stuff for you. He, he not only has, like Liz said, a purpose for your life, he has stuff for you. You know that battle you're facing right now? He, he has the answer for that. 
that weakness that you're going through right now, he has the strength for that. That need within your home or within your finances, whatever it might be, he has the provision for that. God has stuff for you. And listen, it's okay because there is no poor person who doesn't want more money. There is no sick person who does not want to be healed. There is no depressed person who does not want joy. We all want those kinds of things, right? That's what life is all about. And God has that stuff for us. And too often, we want the fruit before the root. But we just have to dig down and make sure that our root runs deep. Notice what Jesus said in Mark chapter 11. Have faith in God constantly. Truly, I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. For this reason... I am telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe or trust and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. Here's your fill-in. Faith gets things done. That's what faith does. Faith pleases God and it gets things done. Jesus said it could get things done to the point where you can tell this mountain go into the depths of the sea. Faith will get your prayers answered. Faith will have your needs met. Faith will cause your life to grow. Faith will draw you closer to God. Faith will allow you to hear from God and to understand what he wants for your life. That's what faith will do. Faith is what we need. Now, faith works through love. There's no doubt about that. And it's because that God loved us that I know that we can believe in him and trust in him for the better part of our lives. Notice this next verse, Ephesians chapter 2. This is something I really want you to be clear about before we get into James. God saved you, how? By his grace, when you did what? When you attended church? No, when you got baptized? When you had communion? When did God save you? According to this verse right here. When you believed. believed. That's when you got saved. That's when you became a Christian. That's when you became a follower of Christ. That's when his new life entered on the inside of you. Now notice what he says going on. And you, or me, can't take credit for this. Why? It is a, say it out loud, gift. It's a gift. Did anybody just randomly ever walk up to you and hand you a gift? Don't you feel attracted towards that person? Like you want to hug them and, you know, smile at them and just say, can I get some more? Right? Isn't that great? God gifted us with salvation. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Neither do I. You cannot be good enough ever. Ever. So he just decided to give it to you. For every single man, woman, boy, and girl who would believe. So you're saved by faith. Salvation, verse 9, is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Could you imagine all of us going to heaven and saying, you know why I'm here? I read four chapters a day. Oh, and Billy, not that Billy, but another Billy, only read two, and that's why he's not here. See, we can't do that. We can't do that. Because do you know that there's sometimes you can read your Bible without faith and you just read it? All right, true confession. My wife, 
Okay, I won't do this. Okay, true confession. I have read my Bible and gotten to the end of a chapter and thought to myself, what did I just read? Because as I'm reading, I'm playing like what I've got to do in the next couple of hours or my mind is like, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. I got to do this. And I got to, oh, you know what I'm saying? So th- this is the stuff that we go through. So faith is necessary for us to be engaged in the things of God, which leads us to James chapter 2 and the last half of that chapter. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Now, all that stuff was foundation to what we're going to be working on. You understand that we're going to read some scriptures now that might sound like they contradict what we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, but they don't because there's nothing that contradicts in God whatsoever. So what we need is wisdom and the Spirit of God to give us enlightenment and understanding in what the Word says in this part of the Scriptures, okay? So we know, fact, that we are saved by grace and by faith in Him. When we believe we are saved, born again, made a Christian, whatever word you want to call it, they basically all mean the same thing. We're saved by grace. Amen? You got that right? So James is going to be talking about works. Now notice what he says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. So here's a faith that operates up in the head of an individual. Okay? They know what to say. They, they understand about this kind of stuff. And, but they see somebody that walks in. They have, uh, they're, they're, they have dirty clothes or whatever. Or they're hungry. Um, they're cold. And it's cold outside. And we just say, you know, well, God bless you. And have a good night. I'll pray for you. <laughs> right? And so we just let it go. James said, remember I told you James is kind of hard-hitting right between the eyes? James says, nah, that kind of faith doesn't work around here. You know, James literally said, not in my church. As a pastor of the, uh, of the first church of Jerusalem, not in my church. You got faith? Faith will move you to action. Faith, faith isn't just because, oh, I have some, an emotional thing. I mean, look at the next part. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder, or they tremble, or they are in fear. So I told you, James is black and white, right? So here's a faith that is not just head, but it's also heart. These demons, they fear, they believe. So maybe you go to a church service or something and you're like, wow, man, the music is just awesome. It's fantastic. I get such a great feeling and everything. And then on Tuesday, you don't even know who God is, right? And so I'm not saying you're wrong. Don't feel, don't feel bad. I'm going I'm to walk you through this because your root is going to go deep tonight, yeah. intentionally. James says that intellectual faith, uh, that, that emotional faith, that, no, not here, not in my church. We want to help people. We don't want to just tell people that we're believers. We don't want to just stream into a church, carry a big Bible, sing the right song, put a bumper sticker on our car, and dress the right way and say all the right things. No, we're going to be different. We're going to have impact in the world in which we live, starting within our family to within our neighborhood, our workplace. We're going to be different because of Jesus. And I will tell you this, that if you have Jesus on the inside of you, you are already different. You might as well quit fighting it. Just go with the flow, man. And be weird, okay? Turn your page over 
Look what James says. Look at the person next to you and repeat after me. You foolish person. <laughs> now, that's what James says. I'm just quoting scripture, okay? He says, do you want evidence that faith without de deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And that may bring up a lot of questions. Why would God have somebody do that? You can see me afterwards and I'll answer that question, but we just don't have time for that right now. Is that okay? <laughs> Verse 22. You see that Abraham's faith and his actions, look at this, were working together. Say working together. His faith and his actions were working together. Your mind's going to get blown in about five minutes, I promise you. So put your seatbelt on, we're going somewhere. And he says, was working together and his faith was made complete. His faith was made complete. His faith was made complete by what he did. In other words, what he did was proof that what he had was real. What he showed his fruit was proof that there was a root. Does that make sense how I'm saying it? So the, the things that people saw Abraham do was not because Abraham said, check out what I can do. It's because Abraham could not do those things because his root ran deep and what came out of him were the things of God. That's what faith will do. Without even trying, that's what faith will do within your life. The scripture was fulfilled and it says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. There is no contradiction here. So there's a vertical faith, the faith that God sees within your heart. And then there's a horizontal faith, the faith that you and I see from each other. That's the faith that he's talking about right here. The faith that you and I can see. You see, verse 24, that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So just below that, I want you to write these two words. Intentional faith. Write intentional faith. Because your faith can be intentional. I'll give you some examples in just a minute. To describe the people that he was addressing, we're going to do these next uh, few fill-ins. They talk the talk. In other words, they have the right things to say. Oh, we had such great fellowship in church. The worship was so high. Whatever, you know, they talk all those things, right? And we don't do that in this church. That's cool. The second fill-in says they talk the walk. Oh yeah, I was in church and I gave and I did this. I, I, I. Who's the center of their world? I, right? They talk the, they talk, the talk. They talk the walk, but they don't walk the talk. So again, this is not to make anybody feel bad. This is really, here's your next fill-in, a call to action. This is what James was saying. James is saying, we are part of the most incredible revolution in the history of mankind. We have something that no other religion, no other creed has ever come close to. 
We belong to the creator of the universe. Living on the inside of us is his spirit. His son died for us and he calls us his brothers and sisters. We belong to him and he belongs to us. He's inscribed us on the palm of his hand. He's written us in the Lamb's book of life. We are saved for eternity. We will spend all of eternity with Almighty God. We are part of a movement that will not end. It will not get smaller. It will only get larger. So James is calling his people to action. Let's stand up and be real and take the faith that we have and generate something that will impress other people to see what we're doing so that they can say, what is it about you that you're different? And you can say, man, I had this experience with this guy that loves me. And you might, what? Yeah, he died on the cross for me. What are you talking about? He forgave me of all of my sins. He's loved me in spite of all the negative things that go on within my life. He's, he's, he's given me purpose. He's given me direction. He's given me guidance. I know that my life has meaning now. Every breath I take is because there is something that he's imprinted upon my soul that I've got to do and I've got to complete. And I know that he is fashioning my life for his honor and for his glory. You want to ask me about Jesus? I'll tell you about Jesus. I'll tell you when he saved my soul. I'll tell you when he saved other people's lives. I'll tell you when he's answered prayer. He is real. And so James is saying that if he's real, then let him be real in your actions and not just in your head or in your heart. Is that good? That's what James is saying. We should get excited about the Word of God because it's the best thing on the planet besides Chipotle. Right? I didn't say that. Now remember, Ephesians 2, let's keep going because we're going to get to the sermon in just a minute. God saved you by his grace when you believed, right? God saved you by his grace when? When you believed. Look at, look at the next one. We live by faith. Another version says we walk by faith. So your feelings say this. We are saved by faith and we live by faith. So let me tell you this. In your Christian life, Jesus is not an option. I know that sounds kind of strange. Remember the verse I read earlier that he is before all things and by him all things consist are held together and that in all things he would have what? The preeminence, the highest level of praise and glory. That's your life. Jesus is your life. The more you focus on him and not your problems, the smaller your problems become and the greater your faith is. Listen, if you can understand this thing here, that stop trying to grow your faith, although we're talking about it, I'm going to tell you one of the key things to growing your faith is to keeping your eyes, sorry, on Jesus. Right? You keep your eyes on Christ and you're not going to be focused on the things that are bothering you. And as you look at Jesus in the word, in worship, as you do that, then your faith is going to rise up to his level. And you're not going to ask him to come down to your level to take care of our puny little problems. And as your faith rises up, you see Jesus, he looks at you and he sees your faith. Uh, Write this down, Hebrews chapter 11 the entire chapter. There's like about 4,722 verses, so we're not going to go there, okay? But I will tell you this. 
that in that chapter, the Bible says this, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, David did this. By faith, Rahab did this. By faith, Sarah did this. By faith, this person did that. By faith, they, they, they. They did all of these things. How? By faith. So now I'm going to show you a key thing. First of all, let me give you these next three fill-ins, and then we're going to go to these circles. You're probably wondering what those circles are there for. I'll tell you in just a second. Here's your last three fill-ins. Salvation affects the head, the heart, and the hand. In other words, you, you have to use your mind. Don't check your mind at the door when you go to church. Right? You have to use your heart, but not just your heart. It's not just an emotional experience. You can't go to church or leave church one Sunday and say, well, it wasn't as good as last week. I don't know if I'm going to go this week. You can't do that. Because it's not about how you feel. It's about who he is. Right? So, uh, and then it's involved in your hands. So in other words, it, your, your body, your physical, what, what it is. So it might be that, that you might feel like this little thing on the inside of you during the middle of worship. Oh, maybe I should sing louder or raise my hands. Nah, I'm going to be a fool. Well, maybe I should. You know what faith says? Faith says, I'm going to do it. And you just stick your hand up in the air and say, God, I don't know what this is. I feel funny, but I'm doing this because I feel like you want me to do it. That's faith. That's faith. You see somebody walking down the side of the road and you say, oh, I feel like I need to pray for them. I'm not going to pray for them. Oh, God bless them. You know. No, go over and pray for them. You step out. Start exercising some faith that you have. You ready for the three circles? Okay, first circle on the left, bottom left. Right on the upper part of that circle, spirit. We're going to move quickly. In the middle circle, in the upper part of that circle, write the word soul. And the third circle on the right, write the word body. Right now, your body is sitting on your butt. <laughs> Correct? Correct? Can I get an amen? amen? See? I know how the world works. And so you're sitting on a chair. Your body, you might want to write this down if, if you don't get what I'm saying, but for, for later, your body communicates with the world. We can see, hear, taste, smell, and touch. Yeah. That's what your body does. The soul is made up of your mind, your will, your emotions. Write those three words in that center circle. The soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your temperament. It's your personality. You see my car, and you say, oh, there's Bob. But you really can't see me in the car. You just see my car, and you say, that's Bob. But my wife could be driving the car, or somebody else could be. So you see my body, and you say, well, that's Bob. Well, it's not really me. Right? Because when I get to heaven, I'll be six foot two. You won't recognize me. It's the truth. You don't believe me? Let's see who gets there first. So, so your, your soul is your personality. It's your temperament. It's where you make your decisions. It's where you experience emotion. Uh, whenever you see the word soul in the Bible, uh, it's the Greek word suke, which we get the word psychology from. So that's the part where we communicate with each other. Right? We laugh, we giggle, we cry, we have emotions, we make decisions, as I mentioned earlier, we process information all within our soul. Now, the word, the next one over to the left is the word is the word spirit. That's the inner man, the part of you that has one purpose and one purpose only to connect with God. That's it. Faith is not in your soulish realm. Faith is not in your body. Faith is in your spirit. If you want your faith to grow, you read the Word of God by holding the Bible in your hand, making a decision to read the Word of God. It feeds your spirit. Your spirit grows and connects with Almighty God. Wow. 
Now, when you do that, right, when you do that on a regular basis, your faith will become rooted and grounded in Him. But it all starts with you making a decision. Let me ask you a question. Where, within these three circles, do you make a decision about spiritual matters? (coughs) Number two. Yes. Because your spirit doesn't make decisions. It just downloads God into your life. And then that connects with your soul as you make a decision to get up on a Sunday morning, for example, after being out super late on a Saturday night, not really wanting to go because it's a beautiful day and you want to go to the beach, but you just say, you know what? I am going to tell my body to get out of bed. I'm going to church. And then God downloads into your life. Your spirit is strengthened and your roots go deeper because you made a decision in your soul to tell your body what to do. So faith in your spirit without works in your body is dead. So your soul needs to take command over what God is downloading in your life and tell your body what to do. Somebody say amen to that. So you get up in the morning and you're like, oh man, I got to eat. I got to get my coffee. I'm running late for work. What about your Bible? What about spending daily time with God? Bob, that's awesome stuff. Keep preaching it, man. That's what we're supposed to be doing. See, you got to feed. You eat three, four, five, six, seven times, eight times a day. I know you do, right? And so what do we do? How often do you feed your spirit? See, it's like Rocky Balboa going up against some 75-pound weakling. And you can't fight the devil if you're weak. Feed your spirit and you will win every single time. Keep feeding your spirit, not once a week. Not just Tuesday nights. Every day. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The psalmist said, uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will never pass away. Your word, the psalmist said, is settled in heaven forever. God says in Psalm 138, I have exalted my word above my own name. That's the value of God's word. And as you and I get up in the morning or have your quiet time late at night or in the middle of the day, I don't care what time it is, just get it done. As we feed our spirit, we do so by saying to our body, get my Bible, open it up, and read. Well, I don't understand it. I don't care. Just read it. Because you know what God's going to do to you? He's going to open your eyes to see things in there. He's going to open your heart and he'll download into your life. And then as you're walking, you know, you might be in work, um, something's going to happen. You're going to hear something, not with these ears. You're going to hear something in here and it's going to be God speaking to you. And then you have a decision to make. Will you, by faith, respond to that voice? Thank you for listening to this message. We pray it bless you greatly. Please visit us at www.colonialchurch.life for more.